days that the Holy Ghost just knocks you out. <laughs> Holy Ghost knock you out. Holy Ghost knock you out. LL Cool J Glory. Oh man, I used to love that song. Remember LL Cool J and the Glory? We're so old, we had a RLM official MySpace. That's true. Someone reminded us of it this week, and I went into a vision of designing the graphics for it. Still have them, probably. I don't know, we've had so many remodels over the years, if we even have those hard drives. I kept them, you know, kind of like in a time capsule, in case we ever want some, like, revival history or something. Might have been absorbed into the angelic ether by now. Good things are recorded by the angels in heaven. Hallelujah, glory to God. I just want to talk to you a minute about the outreach that we're doing in Nairobi, Kenya, and just apologize because I guess Shadrach told me two weeks ago, but I've been so messed up in the fire and the priests the last couple weeks, we, I haven't done anything about it, and so it's in two days... I think today's Thursday. <laughs> I know it's definitely the day of the Lord. And I know uh, I'm definitely in the wine cellar. So all that's check, check, check. As far as natural organization, we do have a lot of room for growth. So I uh, want to raise support. We're going to the orphans. And there's a lot of glory on remembering the poor. And uh, I just want to share a testimony of our precious brother over in Europe. Some of you know him, Renzi. After he gave to the outreach, it wasn't even a gold speck. These aren't, this isn't glitter. It was getting up there to being weighable in the grams. It looked like a little gold nugget appeared on his hand after he gave into the outreach. The gold appeared from heaven on his left hand. And I'm so thankful for the confirming signs and wonders for the giving, because that's honestly a hard area for a lot of people, still wondering like if it's right, if it's God, if it's greed, what, what are we giving into? Some of you have breakthrough in that area. Most Christians don't. And so there's going to be confirming signs and wonders following the giving following the tithing and the offerings and remembering the poor. And so there's a special link in all of the streams that it says special offering for the outreach for Nairobi. And so we're going to raise support for that. We've sent some funds for the outreach already, but we'd like to send a lot more. And if you like to give, links in the description. And we'll take care of business. And, you know, we do the awesome documentaries. And there's always videos and always news updates. And make sure you're plugged into the central hub of all the works of RLM Global, which is our Facebook group. Facebook group, I think it's 15 years old. What is it? We started it, I think, 2007. I'm not sure what year it is, but I think that was about 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, 22, 22, brother, thank you. There is some reason still here, and that's why we're going to come with a heavy priesthood tonight. A heavy, drunken, glory priesthood, because it's fun 
to serve God. It's fun to kill the beast. Speaking of Shadrach, he's doing such a wonderful job in managing all of the works of RLM in Africa and Kenya in Nairobi and the facility there and it's just a continued work. It'll be a lifetime of work together. A co-worker in Christ, just like in the New Testament, these men partnered their entire lives together in the gospel. You know, all the true apostolic and prophetic does, because you serve the same Father, but in the natural realm, you don't see that often. You don't see demonstrations of true kingdom family where we're in the apostolic and the prophetic, so we don't have anything else in life other than the Father, His throne, the Lamb of God, and the seven spirits of God, and all the angels, and the entire agenda of heaven is really all that remains for us. When you're refined in the prophetic, nothing else remains. And that's what freedom is. The testimony of Jesus being developed through the sacrifice of your souls is the increase of Jesus in your bodies, the bodies of Christ. Until there ain't a body of you left. Because the body of you is sin. Apostle Paul says, I know nothing good dwells in my flesh. Today the Lord just confronting me gently, lovingly, really just wooing me, grace flooding me, fresh grace flood you. And he's saying, Brandon, we're going after the beast at a different level now. He says, all the demons only live in the beast and until the believers know how to kill the beast, we're gonna have problems and demonic influence and there's gonna be confusion, there's gonna be disobedience. When you kill the beast, the spirit gladly obeys the father of spirits because that's the only father left. You understand? The father of spirits is the only father left when you kill the beasts and the beasts are in the heart and in the brain, especially the brain. Hits the senses first and then it puts a root right down into the heart, into the blood. And they suck your blood, Jezebel bl drunk on the blood of the saints because people have been listening to that false prophetic word, that external witchcraft, the sorcery of stubbornness and selfishness that puts a root, not of David, not after God's heart, into your heart. What's the exact opposite of God's heart, people of God? <laughs> Our own hearts. Truth anyhow, man. So that is what the beast getting sacrificed in order to mix wine. How can we live in the house of wine, I tell you? By killing beasts, and we'll get into that in a minute. I want to share, you know, Shadrach's a prophet, and he's a seer. He sees visions when he prays, and and it's, uh, he gives me wonderful insight and helps in leadership in this ministry. Very thankful for him. But he shared a vision with me today um, after we, we sent him an offering for the outreach for the poor and the orphans and stuff. And he shared a vision that he had. He said, In prayer today I saw you, Apostle Brandon, and Prophetess Rebecca placed on a high spiritual rank on top of the whole world. And God gave you the sword to spread his glory to the entire world. I'm reading it directly from Messenger here. And the angels in white surrounded you, and they were all serving you. 
The room was made of gold. And he doesn't know this, but in the penthouse, I just changed my light bulbs two days ago, so they're all a golden hue. So the whole room is like golden light. So this room was made of gold, and it was all gold. Gold above, gold on the sides, gold below, and that's what, in the natural room, two days ago, I had changed from white bright light to a golden light, a soft light, they call it, but it's a golden light because I have beige walls, so it all looks gold in there now. So a golden room. Even your feet stepped on gold, and you were asking Rebecca what to do with the gold. And she said, it's all of God for the gospel. It's all the gold for the gospel. You are very happy in the vision. All I can say is that the sacrifices you have made serving all these years have touched the heavens in a big way. And here comes the reward. And he, uh, Shadrach says, I'll stay in the place of prayer until this comes to pass. Isn't that awesome? Amen. <laughs> and then he showed me the testimony of ministering to some brothers raising support for the outreach and when one person gave they got the gold sign I don't know if they've ever gotten gold before I haven't seen that was one of the biggest flakes I've ever seen almost the size of a nugget pretty incredible so let the gold signs and wonders follow your giving that's really important the encouragement that comes with gold dust on your hands, on your heads, on your arms, in your houses, in your cars, it does something to the soul. It changes the soul. It glorifies the soul. It glorifies the natural realm. It is important to have signs and wonders following. The encouragement we see when people get these signs and wonders, the energy, the excitement, they're set on fire for God. <laughs> it, there's no distraction in it whatsoever. The zeal for the Father increases. And that's what we want for all of you, is zeal and excitement in serving God in a major way. Let it increase today. Let it increase with signs and wonders and let grace abound and let grace abound in the ministry. Let grace abound in your priesthood. Rebecca was counseling me yesterday about how businessmen come in and um, a lot of times they leave because they're not they're they're not meant to function in the priesthood office of Moses that I function in. And they think that that's what they're here for training in, but it's not true. That's why they often get discouraged and leave and stop partnering. So you need to understand first and foremost, your role, your destiny, for 95% of New Covenant Christians, it's business. <laughs> to apply the priesthood to your business is wisdom. The book of Proverbs is almost entirely for businessmen and for wisdom. The book of Leviticus is for the priests. <laughs> Proverbs is for the businessmen. How do y'all know Solomon was a businessman? Truth anyhow, he was sending out his business cargo ships, the Bible says, all over the planet and opened up trading routes as a masterful businessman. So Solomon representing being a son of David, a son of God, your sonship, your maturity in Christ and all of these things 
almost none of you are going to operate in the same office as me. And you need to understand that because if you're trying to, you're going to get into the devil. You're going to get into some delusion because you're trying to fulfill someone's office. And that office is already taken. You need to fulfill your own office. The problem is you don't have revelation of your office. When you see someone else in their office, you think that that's what your office will be. But it's not true. You have your own throne. The Bible says you have your own throne in the Father's house. So there's no envy. Envy is a confession of inferiority. Envy is confessing that you're less than a person. It's because of an orphan spirit and a lack of revelation, a lack of spiritual feasting for who you are in Christ as a spirit being. Not as the beast, not as an animal, not in the selfishness of the sin of the flesh, no good thing dwells in the flesh, as a spirit. The spirit is malnourished if it doesn't know its office. Why do we feast? To be the best at our part in the body. We eat to be great in our office, in your office. And each and every one of you have your own throne in different parts of the body. It's true. That's what the Bible declares. There was a lot of different things going on in the days of Jesus. And it wasn't all just Jesus. There was Jesus and his extension through his words and spirit through hundreds of people. The disciples would come and report to him, there's all these people ministering in your name. His spirit, his waters, his rivers were going out and empowering people all over the place at different realms and distances to do the works of the kingdom. Look at the woman at the well. She couldn't be a disciple with him amongst the twelve, but she turned the world upside down. Different distance, same spirit, same commission, different office. She knew her office, and she knew her part in the body. Same with the gathering demoniac. He begged and pleaded that he could become one of the twelve disciples, and Jesus refused because it wasn't his place or his office or his function or his throne. His office and his function and his throne was to be in those ten cities that he led to the Lord. That was his office, and he did it, and he did it under the Lord, and it was awesome. So it's important that you get out of your brain. If you're in your brain with a understanding from the carnal senses of what it's going to look like, you can't get into it. You have to be river-led. It's liquid-led. The reason why it's a liquid, because the solid matter of the heart and the brain opposes faith. Your office, all your thrones are thrones of faith. Thrones of glory, which means great faith. Faith in what? What you are called to do. Until you discover your calling, there's going to be an orphan spirit. There's going to be an inferiority spirit. You're not going to know who you are. You're partially lost. It's not okay to be lost. You need to know your destiny. In every single one of your spirits, we want to activate your destiny. You just put your hand, because that substance in your hand, called the anointing, is smarter than your brain. The energy of the Shekinah glory that you all have, and you're all under, because the glory of God's everywhere, the Bible declares, is smarter than the brain. 
it's getting out of the brain into the energy of the anointing is how you find your office, your position, your calling, your destiny, your scroll, how to be led. And you'll be led by the same head. You'll be led by 24 elders. You'll be led by Christ and the Lamb of God. You'll be led by the apostles and prophets for at least another thousand years. It's written in the Word. We have a day of the Lord of the restoration of all things. Amen. And so until then, guess how you, you function, you function in the anointing from the head who is Jesus. I like what Charlie Robinson says in the beard of the head, which is the prophets, the mouthpiece of that oil for the whole body to get clarity about what God the Father's doing today. Amen. Amen. And we try to bring as much beard as we can every day. You need the beard oil of Aaron. Okay, should we start with that? That'd be good to read out. We haven't read that. Let's go into the Passion. I think the Passion translation of Psalms is genius. It's so juicy. If you haven't checked that out, highly encourage you to read it. We got Passion Translation on YouTube. You can read along. If you don't have it, it's a lot easier just to put it on the screen and put it into your eyeballs. Very powerful. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Unity, it's called. Psalm 133 Passion Translation, the song to bring you higher. That sounds good. You want to go higher? Well, here's the word to bring you higher by King David. How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred anointing oil. Sacred scented oil. (laughs) (laughs) BBLuxuryPerfumes.com Dude, that anti-religious stuff, having fun. And throwing a little business anointing. Shameless plug. That that messes with people sometimes. They just, oh, oh. My last little religious spirit died on me. That ain't the last one, buddy. Keep them coming. Because you're becoming an altar, they'll keep coming. You know that? I've dealt with endless demonic manifestations towards me through external si- situations really my whole life even when I was 15 they'd be manifesting and talking to me audibly when people be smoking pot eyes rolling in the back of their head show me the whites of their eyes and my friends getting possessed and the demons would talk to me when I was 15 and 16 and that wild before I was a believer necromancing through my friend's host bodies. Like a real warlock. Now that's terrible, and that's terrible. I tell you what, it was horrible in the realm of sorcery and witchcraft and speaking and communicating with demons inside the souls of unsacrificed beasts. You practice sin in the soul, there's guaranteed demons in there. It's not even a question. The issue is, What type of angelic creature lords over the demons in the souls? Both Jesus and Satan both. 
Satan drives out Satan, a kingdom divided cannot stand. Whom do your Pharisees drive out demons? The sons of the devil, Jesus Christ said in the red letters, were driving out demons by demons. They had their own charismatic deliverance ministries. Remember, the Pharisees were charismatic, but they were driving them out by the by soul energy, by a superior demon. They had a higher ranking demon in them that was casting out lower ranking demons and others. So they, the highest ranking demons were in their souls. Jesus Christ called them a portal to Satan's throne. Isn't that wild? Because demons do drive out demons. They're they're, they beat each other. They, demons hate each other. And it's all about rank in the kingdom of hell, and it's all about rank in the kingdom of heaven. One of these days, we're just going to go to hell for all Joel's bar. Have Joel's bar in Hades. In Tartarus. Yeah, maybe October 31st, that'd be good. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Dressed up as the old man, just to mock it. What the old man look like? Let your imagination go wild. Most of you just come in with the pointy hat and a broom. <laughs> if you can't have fun, you haven't overcome it in the sun. If it's still something serious and there's still fear attached, that means there's no faith imparted. You see all these people with their harvest festivals, I tell you what, man. There's a time for that. If your faith is weak, the Bible says that stuff will cause you to stumble. We don't have time after 2,000 years of Christianity to have weak faith. We need to have a maturity that we're not offended by anything the devil's doing. If you're offended by it, that means that it's ruling over your soul. Now, if you have living water over it, now... I get around transvestites, gay people all the time in Minneapolis, they're everywhere, and I've never not enjoyed the encounter. And I find that my spirit has incredible favor over all of them because the angelic rank of your spirit has dominion over all spirits, angels and demons. And the soul is just there as a temple of whatever thing they're following. And it doesn't have to be an offense. It can be like Daniel's anointing. I have made you the master of the magic arts of Babylon. It is written. There's a master of magicians, a master of witches, a master of warlocks, a master of Scottish Rite sorcerers. There's a, there's a master of new age shamans. There's a master of light workers. There's a master of Christian teachers, which often is bewitchment. There's a master of Jezebelic arts. There's a master of the false prophetic. There's a master of beasts, the chief of the beasts of all the field. All of this is available, come on now, in the salvation package. Listen, you're dealing with the magic arts constantly. The, the animal is animated by one substance the Bible teaches. I don't know if you've ever been taught this, but it is the truth anyhow. By magic. You know how the beast talks? How do you get animals to talk? I'm talking about birds, beasts, and reptiles now. Romans 1. The beast should not be allowed to talk. It doesn't talk in the glory. The spirit talks in original design. But if you're not in original design outside the Garden of Eden of your soul, how does the beast talk? The Bible tells you through magic. Magic is not something you watch on TV. Magic is a biblical principle, a foundational understanding of the animation of sin in human flesh and blood. Now, 
not everyone's trained in magic, and so a lot of it's just fantasy, and we just don't have a clue. But it's still animating you. You know, you're either going to be animated by magic or by the Holy Ghost. That's the two trees in the garden. So if Daniel's the master of musician, musician, musicians and magicians... Glory. Wow. <laughs> Again, so drunk I was falling over sideways for Joel's bar. The wine's coming out a little. Pray for more wine. <laughs> it's a fun one today. We've been in really serious, intense Levitical priesthood training, and there's a, a seriousness of joy. You get around the warring angels, it's the joy that's the ferociousness, like a lion eating an animal. But it's righteousness devouring wickedness. You know, when we're really immature, we think it's just kind of goofball joy. And there's a place for goofy joy. There's a place for nonsensical joy, and we're not against that, but we're for growing in joy. And there's realms of joy you've never experienced because of how immature you are that God wants to bring you in. So it's a, a warring joy, a lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, Judah, roaring joy. Amen. What is Judah? Uh, maybe that's the that's the cheetah. That's a different tribe. <laughs> the lion of the tribe of cheetah. You know, that's those Cheetos, those hot, spicy Cheetos in the bowl of milk with Jesus on the phone saying, start the rapture. <laughs> the Cheetos. What is that spicy Cheetos with milk? Jesus, that's the last sign of the end of civilization. Total depravity, start the rapture. <laughs> Line. Lion of the tribe of Cheetos. <laughs> oh, glory. And really, we're not concerned about what the enemy is doing, but since there is influence, and I would not have you be unaware of what the enemy's tactics are, there needs to be clarity. We don't glorify the enemy, we don't fear the enemy, don't, we don't care about the enemy. We care about your spirit growing in Christ, which will deal with the enemy. It will deal with junk in your nations and your cities and your houses and your family. But first and foremost, it's got to win that civil war of the new man spirit versus the old man heart. And until that thing is really dealt with, and you'll still deal with it even in maturity. Even when you mature in the glory and your body is functioning in your office, you know your destiny, there will still have to be a daily killing of this beast. And that's what the Spirit was talking to me about today. He's like, you kill the beast in your forehead, this animal soul, this flesh and blood, it will have direct implications to the whole kingdom of hell. This temple is a temple of the universe, of everything in it. That's how God created Adam and Eve in the garden. The brain doesn't really understand it, but it will experience it progressively. God doesn't often explain these things to you. He requires you jump in and have the experience, and he wants you to learn from experience because that produces wisdom. He's not sitting there teaching about it. He's throwing you off the boat. He's like, come walk on water. You didn't have the explanation. There was no teaching. It's just, he said, Peter, come. Peter, come to me on the water. Come have an experience in the living water. 
and the living water experiences are what are gonna teach you the kingdom of heaven. Amen. You're taught through experience. <clears throat> what we do here is impart the word of God as seed to experience it through your souls. You're sowing the seeds of kingdom experiences. That's what the living word, the inspired word, the prophetic word is. The testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, is inside the living word which is the word of grace the word that is for your spirit it's against everything else it really is and that's where we struggle because we don't understand the word is the fathering of your spirit and if you don't let it father you how many all know you get some other father automatically you can't be on earth and not have a father prophets are called the sons of men the son of man there's a father of everything down here jesus taught the same thing the father of lies he's a father everything's getting fathered the issue now is us as disciples of the word of god allowing our spirit only to be fathered and from the fathering of our spirit from the prophetic word the living word, the word of fire, the word of glory, the word that's full of light, the word that contradicts the world. This is why people are opposed to it, because everything in the world is a word programming the soul. And when the word of God comes upon that word, there is a confrontation. You can't avoid confrontation every time you listen or not there's a confrontation of words in the soul this is the battleground of the soul and you're all at total war in jesus day he called it the parable of the seeds what was the battlefield seed wars of hearing words and developing thought life inside the soul how does a stronghold get into a believer's soul? They're listening to words. And these words come from demons, angels of light, or even a twisted perception of a prophet. It gets really tricky because this is a really cunning serpent. This is Leviathan, which is a word twister. What he'll do is get uh, your own interpretation of the prophetic word, not the corporate interpretation, not God the Father's interpretation. Your individual interpretation is the Leviathan. That's what the Bible says. No interpretation of Scripture is for individual interpretation. No interpretation of prophecy is for individual, which means your soul cannot interpret the living word. If it is, it's wrong. That's how you get into the false prophet. You take it in, you want it to mean a certain way through your cultural conformity, through your world system, through your exposure to the natural elements in your natural mind. And we have an individual interpretation of prophecy and the word. The Bible forbids it. That's when you get into error, false teaching everywhere, false preaching everywhere. If there's individual interpretation, how many of y'all know there's no individual interpretation of any word from God in heaven? 
everyone gleans from the light of the Father's interpretation of His Son, the Word of God. And we need to do that on earth. You have preachers and teachers everywhere giving their own interpretation and calling it revelation. It's false revelation. False revelation grows in the soul and causes what? Factions and divisions. Not a global perspective, not a kingdom of heaven perspective, but a clicky little perspective of me and my little click. An animal tribal perspective. It's unhealthy, it's unholy. Now there's a holy, healthy tribal perspective of the tribe of Judah when you're slaughtered of your soul on the throne of God, and that is accurate. But that is a, a worldview from God's throne. When you grow up in the spirit, you're growing up in your vision and your perspective in all things. Remember the curse of the fall? came through the eyeballs. They looked upon that tree, it is written, and they judged wrongly that the tree was good in appearance and therefore ate from it, and their eyes were open to the natural realm of the serpent, of the flesh. Amen. They came out of the blood of God, which was pure glory, into their own human blood. They became the first animals. The human animals were reptilians. They became the first reptilians. And that is the truth anyhow. If you let a serpent into your forehead like Pharaoh's crown, which is believing the natural report from the realm of the dead, you get the reptilian brain. What's a reptilian brain? Look at Pharaoh's crown. Look at the pyramid on your $1 bill. A brain controlled by external spiritual forces of wickedness. What's wickedness? Carnality that fights the Holy Spirit. Romans 8. It's the mind in the natural realm. The mind's not in the spirit. The mind's not in the river. The mind's not baptized. Pentecost. Resting tongues of fire. Where? On their brains. Which was entrance back into heaven. How did they enter into heaven? Through the spirit baptism upon their flesh. They didn't physically go there. The spirit transported them, spirit and soul, and rested upon their brain. Because the transportation there is the ascension out of the curse of the fall 2,000 years ago. When Jesus gave us his spirit, we began our ascent. Isn't it an ascent of the seven mountains? No. It's an ascent of one mountain, Zion, invisible, that rises through the visible seven mountains. Seven mountains, these are natural mountains. Seven-headed beast, beast is the natural man, or of Babylon, which is prostituting your mind to the natural realm. Truth in here. Holy Ghost. But the spirit mountain, the invisible mountain, does rise physically. As the spirit mountain inside you, and God has shown me Zion, God has taken me out of body and shown me his mountain called his kingdom as a mountain of fire inside my belly. I was at a Bobby Connor conference in like 2011. 
with Bob Jones and Paul Keith Davis and Jeff Jansen. And these four mighty men of God were there ministering the glory. Bobby Connor was preaching that night. This is what happened, 2011. He comes over to me. <clears throat> I got my Nazarite vow going on. <clears throat> Payots and dreadlocks down to my butt and a beard down to my belly button. I look like I just crawled out of a dumpster. I got a hat on, you know, but we're operating pretty strongly in the prophetic. The whole drive there, I'm, I'm telling the people in the car what they're going to talk about at the conference. And whole paragraphs, word for word, came out of the prophet's mouths at the conference in 2011. True story. Because you're just increasing people's faith. And as you approach in the heavenlies, the physical manifestation of the ministry of the prophets, I, my spirit can glean all that stuff from the heavens of what God's about to release. I love that stuff. I love having things established with two or three mouths, even out of different tribes and different groups of people moving around. Unity. I love tuning in and listening to prophets sometimes in Australia, New Zealand, and Europe, and around the world, in Africa, and word for word saying the same thing God's saying to me in Minneapolis and Joel's bar in this ministry. I love the unity of the brethren. Psalms 133. I love it. The beard is one. There's only one beard, which means only one mouth of the head that is Christ. And the head is Christ that is written. So the beard is the prophetic. And we want the beard. Amen? The bearded woman, the bride of Christ. She's getting totally prophetic. Amen? If, if the men can be the bride, the women can have a beard. <laughs> I feel justified now of all my facial hair, some of the girls are saying. Yes, that's the, that is the prophetic. By the hair of your chinny chin chin. <laughs> Amen. Glory. Confirmation, we're there. 2011, Bobby Connor comes up to me, right up face to face with me, and he's like, what do we got going on here? I have my hat peeled back with with apostolic written on my hat, like in graffiti. And he's like, apostolic, a lot of people want to be that. He, he started attacking me. And in a joyful way, but you know, iron sharp and iron way. But he started attacking me. As he did, an angel came and took me out of body and revealed my angel to all the prophets. And they saw me. Bobby saw me. Bob Jones saw me. Jeff saw me. Paul Keith Davis saw me. And they, they were all looking at my angel. And I was, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 feet out of body. And it was in that experience when I revealed my spirit, because you know them by their spirit. God reveals the spirit so that people can see, well, this is, you know, a son of God. <laughs> this is a prophet of God. And so it's important because he'll come sometimes in ways that you can't discern. And it's his mercy that he'll reveal himself to Mary Magdalene in a form she can't recognize, but it's the same person she's been following in a different form for the last three years. And then he just revealed to her his spirit, his heart through his word. And then he's like, oh, it's Jesus. You need that sometimes because you don't always recognize Jesus. People come into Red Ministries oftentimes don't recognize Jesus because it's a different form. It's a more mature form. If we're accurate, it's a more mature form. And so you have to get into the wisdom that knows the substance of the light of his glory beyond the forms, beyond the veil. 
This was what wisdom is, discernment of spirits, that you can understand what's God at a more advanced level. <laughs> People are so under-advanced and so immature when things of manifestations that are beyond their traditional established Christian doctrine for the last 500 years, they have a hard time discerning if it's God. Because Santa Claus isn't coming with his red and white shirt. The cookies and milk and our traditional understanding of our Santa Claus Jesus, he's, he's now coming on a surfboard as a dude. And why is this Jesus blonde and that Jesus has black hair, blah, blah, blah? Because it's all about spirit. Wisdom is putting your intelligence into the spirit that the Apostle Paul calls all things to all people in hopes of saving some. You understand you're saved to the measure that you are out of your mind and with God. That's what the Bible says. To be in the mind is to be against God. That's what the Bible says. To be out of your mind is to be in your spirit, is to be walking with God. But until the spirit becomes our intelligence, all we have is beast. That's why you deal with technon Christianity. It's called Infants in Christ, written all over the New Testament. Nursery. Christianity on earth right now is a nursery. You have different types of nursery school teachers and nursery school pastors here and some of them are doing a good job but it's still even the teachers are nursery school teachers for the next thousand years we'll mature in the glory in actual advanced things we don't have them on earth yet we're still pretty much in a barbaric dark age why it's because of the submission and following of the flesh it's because it's it's easy to just live in the brain it's just be an animal. It's hard to completely oppose the carnal and go after the spiritual, especially when you have a natural Bible. Because to go into the spirit with the Bible completely costs you everything you think you know. That's why a lot of people leave the Bible behind when they get into the spirit and just become total flakes. No consistency, no loyalty, no faithfulness, ups and downs, completely schizophrenic because they didn't bring the Bible with them. You bring the Bible with you into the spirit, it seems like you're almost growing slower, but it's steady as she goes. It's consistency. The Bible says it's the anchor to the living water. The Logos written word anchors the brain into the things of the spirit. I mean, if you don't have the Bible, if you don't have Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, you need it all. As much as you can get. Then there's no way that your brain can stay in the Spirit. And if your brain goes into the Spirit without the Word, what did Jesus Christ say? They become thieves and robbers. A spirituality that steals from who? King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Revelation 19, the Word of God. It steals from the Word. Jesus is present here on earth as the Word. I'm telling you now. And so the Word almost feels painful sometimes. Some people enjoy it. And there's different measures of enjoying of the Word. But it's dealing with the soul's disloyalty to Christ. The Word gets the soul loyal. The Word circumcises the soul, the heart, the mind. The Word brings the flesh into obedience. The living Word is the commandment 
for flesh. Amen? There is a new covenant law of liberty in Christ Jesus that keeps the soul free in the spirit, but the law is the word Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the lawgiver of the new covenant, clearly written, Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. He's fulfilling Moses going up onto the mountain. He was bringing spiritual laws for the invisible person of the heart. We had the natural laws for the outer man of the animal that came through Moses. Now we have spiritual laws for the hidden person of the heart that came through Jesus Christ. How does it resonate in the invisible part of you, in your inner man? That's where grace comes in. Grace materializes the new covenant law in the hidden person of the heart. Without grace, it can't be written. Without grace, you're stuck in Moses. Just the external do's and don'ts of good and bad. And you have that, and you needed that. The law was necessary, the Bible says, for murderers, adulterers, and all kinds of wicked people. And that is what we once were until a new law of a new covenant came into our hearts, the living word. The king is the law of the kingdom. It's absolute power, monarchy, authority, dominion, and might. And that's who Jesus is. Is his kingship law the ruler of your spirit? That's how much the new covenant is written upon your heart. What is the scapegoat? What is the avoidance of transformation? Putting the external word on the animal. That's the actual denial of Jesus, the new covenant law for the spirit. That is the, that is the total forfeit of the new covenant is simply having it outwardly, which is, you didn't need Jesus for that, remember? They had that before Jesus. There's no need for Jesus if it's just outward good and bad do's and don'ts. Outward laws. That's what Moses is. It's be good outwardly. You don't need Jesus for that. Jesus is being good in the Spirit, and the goodness is the glory, the glorification of the Spirit. And the Bible says in Hebrews that the Spirit of God is writing the words of Christ, the red letters, upon your hearts and upon your minds, in the inner man. And the more it's written, the more the inner man's glorified, and the outer man and its laws and rules and regulations comes off doesn't apply to you anymore but if you don't have the new covenant law you are automatically under old covenant law it cannot be avoided it it came upon the whole universe moses came upon everyone and affected all nations government every single nation on planet earth today is affected by the law of moses that's why you have the star of david everywhere it's jewish law kabbalah it's Old Covenant rulership in the Old Covenant, I tell you the truth. Moses ain't there, the Bible says. Who's there if Moses ain't? What kind of taskmaster is running the Old Covenant? Satan and his angels. Truth in yeah. The law of sin and death and that external law and that enforcement of good and bad is now under the jurisdiction of demons, religious spirits. And that's why you're so influenced by them in Christianity, because it's the external spirits of religion using the Old Covenant, which is not really the Old Covenant. It's not the 
what it is is it's what God has left in the outer man for controlling the animal to be run by the animal spirits. And now we're in the new covenant, which is bearing the image of God literally without types and shadows, that your spirit has the literal image of God the Father on it so that all the rules and regulations of do's and don'ts don't apply to your spirit. What does the Bible say? Those who are led by the spirit fulfill all the law. The word fulfillment means over and above it, over and above it. But if you don't know the spirit and are not led by the one spirit of Jesus Christ with your whole spirit, that means there's external oppression from the enemy. How do they oppress? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about a fading glory, a fading light, a light of man's goodness in the soul that has the appearance of good that's applauded by dying men and women practicing external goodness. That's what the realm of the dead is. The realm of the dead is not just the black darkness of obvious sin. It's not just the murder we had last night out in front of the house. And the cops came to the door here. Do you have videotape of the murder that happened last night in front of this house where I'm broadcasting? No, no, it's just for looks. And he said, well, how did the camera follow me around in the property? It hasn't been plugged in for three years. I've never seen the thing move. But I thought it was interesting. The angels materialized and caused the camera to follow the cop. And they didn't follow the gangsters or the murderers. They were more worried about the cop than they were the, the gangsters. How crazy is that? Do you even understand how wild the kingdom of heaven is? But half of you would say, we need the camera for the gangsters. The angels are only using the camera on the cops. Wow. Woo. We got a different mind, but God's working on us, amen? He's not angry at you. He enjoys the process. That's what being a priest is. Jesus Christ high priest of our faith. <laughs> Hebrews 9.11 The high priest of our faith. He likes being a priest dealing with the immaturity. It doesn't bother him. You might get some emotion out of him. Jesus is not just this passive hippie dude giving everyone hugs all the time. He's aggressive at times. He's a lion. You want Jesus to come like a tender shepherd and like a gentle lamb, he will. And you will know him in that form. But there are forms of Jesus you couldn't even handle. You would blaspheme instantly and call it the devil. I watched Jesus test everyone's faith since I've been in ministry 16, 17 years ago. And he constantly is challenging your faith to come in new forms that you can barely handle. Just hopefully that you don't blaspheme the new form he comes in. Because of you know how unrenewed the soul is to the things of heaven that are formless liquid. Formless. So everything's made out of light. The curse is the natural carbon elements are made of natural elements. And so we're melting those elements into formlessness by faith. But first and foremost, you got to get out of your own forms. You got to get out of American culture if you want kingdom culture. Don't think you get both. Sanctification will deal with your culture. 
It'll deal with Kenyan culture. It'll deal with American culture within America. You got 50 states. The cultures between New York and LA and Miami and Minneapolis and Seattle are so different. Winnipeg, you know, uh, British Columbia. The cultures in North America go down to Mexico City, same continent. You're in a different freaking world. But these cultures all have to be dealt with wherever you are. And if they're not dealt with, you are limited in the manifestations of the Spirit because of the forms. Freedom and abundant life is getting out of the forms of culture. You got to get out of the forms of DNA. All those forms were made by fallen angels. Those forms aren't made out of Shekinah light. God didn't build that. Demons did by men and women deceived into the natural realm, which means if you are submitted to the cultures of the natural realm, you are completely led by the fallen angels. Oh, awfully quiet in there. <laughs> Truth, anyhow. If you are in the spirit realm of the ancient culture of God the Father, you think God the Father is an American? No. You think God the Father is earthly? Do you think the cultures on earth have any influence on God? No. Zero. God's culture reigns. The kingdom culture. That's why we get into the Bible, because the Bible demonstrates his ancient culture. And it's weird to us because we're earthly, because we're fallen. It's very strange. You start reading the Bible deeply, you get enculturated through the Word. How did they enculturate people so that we can do as the Romans do when we're in Rome? The Hellenization. By teaching them a new language. You have to learn the language of wisdom, the language of the Bible in the Spirit. Taught by the Holy Ghost, they shall all be taught by God. That's the New Covenant promise. Anytime you read the Word, you're being taught of God because the Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh. Amen. If you're open and available and not stubborn, you can have a direct encounter with the living God every moment. Oh, that's what it's all about. To live in a constant encounter, an abiding glory, the abiding presence of His glory. To live in the fire and to be sensitive to the fire. And when you realize the Spirit of God does not like that, you begin to know Him by His emotional reactions to your actions and the things you do. You begin to value His expressions, His heart. That's what David did, a man after God's own heart. He, he valued the feelings of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh. The Holy Spirit was upon David. And he valued the Holy Spirit more than himself in the Old Covenant. That's what the New Covenant is. That's what grace is to be able to cherish how the Lord feels. Amen? To walk in a softness, a softness of heart, a heart of flesh and not of stone, is someone who cherishes and prizes how the spirit is feeling. You just wake up, it doesn't always have to be verbally communicated. Remember, how does he verbally communicate with you? Through the still small voice, usually in the whisper of his spirit. Sometimes it's louder than others, sometimes it'll be through the donkey, he does that. Sometimes it'll be through the believer, sometimes it's through the unbeliever. Sometimes it's through secular music, God's always talking. The issue is such an intimate relationship that you can hear 
what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Isn't that the theme of getting into relationship with the leadership of the Holy Ghost is the ability to hear. We need to be loosed in our ears to hear and then understand what we're hearing. To see and then understand what we're seeing. I see the Ethiopian eunuch right now. He's on the road. He's going back home from Jerusalem. Philip the Evangelist teleports to him. Go attach yourself to that chariot, Philip. He does. Do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless someone explains it to me? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Understand that the Spirit is teaching and training through the Word. See what he's doing? He, it was so important. Understand the value of this, of being taught of the Spirit. That it takes someone and transports him five miles to explain one paragraph from Isaiah. Do you understand? That's how valuable teaching is. That God will do phenomenal signs and wonders just to expound on verses of the Bible. Jesus in his resurrection form, you know what's important, he spent his resurrection time, the Bible says, teaching on the scriptures. Did our hearts not burn within us as we walked with him along the way, illuminating the scriptures in his resurrection form? So the illumination of the written word is the primary thing that the Holy Ghost is doing on earth. A deep understanding of the Bible. You can't walk with God without it. You can't communicate with God without it. You can't be enculturated into the kingdom without it. Until we have the word as our language in the spirit, we haven't learned how to talk yet. We're not enculturated. You know the word enculturate is where you get apostle from? Apostle was a Roman word for enculturating conquered cities to be like Rome. Amen. So the, the Roman word that Jesus used for his disciples, apostles, was to enculturate them into the third heaven over the second. And that work is still being done today. And we need that in America. You want the apostles in America? Bob Jones prophecy, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, the apostles are coming. What was that, three years ago? Yeah. Have you seen any apostles majorly coming since then? Why? You can't have the apostolic and the American. Can't have both. It's because you've embraced patriotism, truth anyhow, and Americanism that you don't have the apostles. They're out there, but they're in exile because you have not yet embraced them. And until you do, there'll be no perfect leadership in the American bride or any other nation for that matter. That's true. You're not going to get anything from God except the fivefold until you're perfect on, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what scripture teaches. Most of us are so stubborn in our American ideologies that we won't even have it. You know what you're going to get then? Everything but it. God will raise up a remnant. There is a small remnant that embraces the apostolic more than the American. But it's not common, and it's not in almost any charismatic church in, in America right now. Charismatic churches in America have a mixture. A mixture, and that's putting it politely. It's mixture between patriotism, American Christianity, uh, the culture that you're in, and the prophetic and the apostolic. So there is some divinity. There is healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. But it's not maturity. It is progress towards maturity. And our job 
It's true, our job is to break off some of that stuff, restricting a greater maturity. Attacking that stuff, tearing down and building up. In order to build higher, you have to tear down what's holding you down. And it's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of deception, a lot of cultural ideas, a lot of stuff that's in the temporal realm that don't exist in heaven. The first and foremost one is called churches. Churches don't exist in heaven, and yet we say on earth as it is in heaven. And I understand we need incubators, and God allows incubators. But there's no churches in the New Testament. There's not one church in the New Testament. There were churches of cities, of communities, of people's houses that come together, and they call that the Church of Ephesus, the Church of Thyatira, the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Corinth, the Church of the Ephesians. Hello? Those were all cities, guys. Cities are the only mentions of churches in the Bible. No one went out a building. There was not even a desire for it because of the rebuke on the mountain of transfiguration. Should we build churches, which is shelters? Should we build buildings and hold Christianity inside building systems? That was their enemy in the synagogue structure. You understand first century Christianity? You're about to. That's first century Christianity. Apostolic Christianity is a Christianity without churches, without walls. And that's biblical facts, guys. Amen. And so now we come together, we're, we're making progress with the best we have in an incredibly fallen situation. <laughs> with so much deception, it was the devil's idea in the devil's heart to build churches. It's the devil's idea. And that's, if you understand ancient Sumeria, you understand Pangaea, pre-Diluvian, before the flood, they were building churches. Judgment came onto the world because they were building rel religious mega churches, mega centers. And when you take a submarine under the ocean, you will find these facilities under the ocean that were destroyed by God all over the planet. You know what they look like? Pyramids. Pyramids. Hallelujah. Some of them survived the flood. The Great Pyramid in Egypt was pre-Diluvian. They know that now. And when the giants knew they were going to be killed, they tried to build shelters that would endure the judgment of God. Mm -hmm. They're still trying to do that. <laughs> That's why they don't even know what's going to hit them. The enemy doesn't have any faith for anything God's ever going to do. That's something you'll realize real quick. You're not going to find any belief system in religious spirits, any external spirits. They don't have any faith for judgment. The Bible says, we'll go on the same as it's always been. God has never done anything. Or what God's done has just been, hasn't really affected society. It's not that big of a deal. You know, that's what they're saying about Noah. Amen. That this is all just in your little communities. This is in your little groups growing together. This is just a, a Christian ex expression. And, we're, you know, it's cool. You're in the glory, getting gold dust and stuff. But what's really terrifying is if it comes up and it has citywide influence. And when it has national influence, that's when you get Caesar's attention. That's when they're decapitating them in the Roman Colosseums because it's influencing cities and nations. That's the real apostolic witness. Amen. And trust me, that stuff is here today, and it calls itself Christian. They would love to chop off the apostles' heads 
or secretly assassinate them like you see with the FBI and CIA and all the stuff that they're doing in the crazy Jewish mafia, East Coast, West Coast, and all the secret societies. And there's this constant assassinations, constant deaths. There's lists of missing people. And they find them suicided all the time. It's become, it's so common that almost everyone believes that it's happening now, even amongst unbelievers in the works of the devil. You know that? That's not even conspiracy theory. They just die. How'd they die? They got suicided. You mess with the Clintons, you get suicided. It's happened like 40 times. There's lists of people that are dead. They show up, different volunteers, different, different people. I'm telling you guys that this stuff is going on and we need to come into a greater maturity to deal with it because it wants to deal with you. It wants to take your head. First, it takes your head through religion. And if it can't, it will take it through physical means. There are, and it's not to be afraid because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you give your head to the living waters, God is greater than our hearts, which means this Holy Spirit is more powerful than anything done in human blood. You are safe when you are spirit led. When you are disobedient to the spirit, you put yourself out with the fallen angels and sometimes you die. Sometimes you just don't make it. Sometimes you go into captivity. Sometimes you go into a prison of a devil. Satan will put some of you in prison. Why? Because of disobedience to the Holy Spirit. And whether you come out of the prison alive or dead and fly away to be with God because you just could never learn obedience, all that stuff happens. And it's very real. This world is a world of magic, which is deception upon the mind. The magic arts is a spell. And I remember being around Scottish Rite sorcerers, Luciferians, real sons of the devil and I come around in the anointing releasing the river they would have to stand close to their dogs and these dogs were millionaires by the way dog doesn't mean you're poor there's dog millionaires there's dog billionaires Bill Gates is a dog he can grow up in a Seattle basement but he's a puppet for the Bilderberg group he, he's a dog he does, he's not a real sorcerer he's not intelligent like that he's not he hasn't been trained in the Luciferian arts he hasn't. He came out, he was a, a nerd from Seattle. Some of these, so it's not about economic status, whether you're dog or sorcerer. It's understanding the magic arts. And there's actually not that many people as deep as Janice and Jambres. The, the apostles know more about the magic arts, the real ones that are trained in it, than most people in the Luciferian societies. It's true. A lot of them will tune in just to learn about what they're into. Yeah, we've seen that many times. They don't know. This is not common knowledge. This is the revelation of the Holy Spirit exposing the works of the devil. I would not have you be unawares. I don't teach on the deep secrets of Satan, of Jezebel and Revelation 2. I teach on the exposing of it for the profit of the soldiers of Christ to not be duped and go into captivity to not let a fallen angel land on their head and they're like, oh, it's an eagle. You know, we see that every day. Oh, I'm, have, I'm, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit and they're led by a familiar spirit. You see that every day. Charismatic deception. Charismatic deception en masse through a type of spirituality towards the soul. And there's very few that are anchored deep enough into the river to not be deceived by it. That's why the Bible says it's deceived all nations. It's deceived me. It's deceived you. And the only way you're not deceived is you got into the word and you got into the river and you got washed big time. 
and become a river temple. And Ezekiel 47 is the only safe place in this world free from the sorceries of the fallen angels' teachings in Christianity, the covenant religion. And it's major out there. The most corrupted thing out there is Christianity. Nothing even close. Of course, if you're a devil, you want to corrupt the truth. Hello? He's not going to corrupt lies. A lie is already corrupted. What you want to do is bring as much magic as you can over the covenant religion. That's what he did in the first coming. That's exactly what they did in the second coming. <laughs> I, I remember being around these sorcerers and these Luciferians, these Scottish Rite and these 32nd degree Shriner Masons, to boasting about how they've conquered Christianity. Boasting of how they've conquered Christianity and how... Uh, what else do they boast about? How many Luciferians are pastors. Two things they boast about in their pride to me, face to face. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to destroy all that stuff. Yeah. We want to burn that up. Wouldn't that be fun to have a Christianity as God intended it to be? Yeah. You, know what, you know what that is? A new earth. <laughs> What's real Christianity? Rivers of the Word of God. <laughs> a Zion without walls. Okay, you live in the kingdom, you live in a mountain of spiritual fire of the Holy Ghost. And your protection is the fire of the Holy Ghost, crystal clear and sparkling is your armor. Not a physical protection. You can't go to the elements to protect you. Guns don't work on this stuff. That's total deception, total foolishness. Guns don't work on devils. Guns don't work on magic arts. Now, if you're around terrible people, it can protect you and your family because there's so much sin. But the answer is not in the sword. It's beating the sword into plowshares and learning how to work in the spirit. Everything else is band-aids, and you do, you do need band-aids. Jesus said you have two swords. That's enough because there was, you needed band-aids because of the transition of man out of the curse of the fall into the fullness of the kingdom of heaven and its glory. So that's a, that's a long period of time where you're transitioning out of the natural into the spiritual. Out of the first Adam, a natural man, into the second Adam, a spiritual man, a life-giving spirit. God is a life-giving spirit. The Lamb of God is a life-giving spirit, a light spirit, a spirit of Shekinah light. And that glory is sentient. That glory is all-knowing. That glory is your promised land. And before it's formed in you, you know he gets formed in you? Following that man. Follow that man. Attach your mind to that man's life. That man is here. Emmanuel, God is with us. The Bible says, I will pour out my spirit. Whose spirit? The spirit of Jesus. What are you doing looking for him? You're deceived. That's how the devils get you. You're looking for Jesus. I can't find him. What does the Bible say? Song of Solomon, when she began to look for him, that's when she met the religious night watchman. And it says they violently raped her in Hebrew. They attacked her, beat her, and raped her. That's what it says in Hebrew. It's violent, aggressive rape in the, in the word of what religion does to the soul. And that's why it's so ingrained in you that they put their, the sperm of Satan in the soul. Demons have an energy that they impart, demonic anointings. You know it's true. 
Half of you are under him. <laughs> Loose. <laughs> yeah. The demonic, the religious anointing gets in. It's the sperm of demons. Just like when the Holy Spirit gets in, it's the sperm of God. How many of you know there's sperm in the Bible? Amen. How do angels create Nephilim? Sperm. Sperm. Angelic sperm. It's it's light. It's fish. How did the Holy Spirit conceive? A, a man inside a woman's belly. Sperm. The God's sperm seed. The word sperma in Greek is the seed of God. Amen. And so you are growing in those genetics through God's sperm. It is all biology. It's Holy Ghost biology conquering the devil's biology. Amen. The reptilian biology. <laughs> Snake eggs. You know how many times scripture talks about serpent eggs and the and the hatching of adders and, and the influence of, of snakes and serpents and all of that stuff. It's the reproduction of the reptilian of the flesh nature in the soul. That's what buries the spirit is all the works of the devil. And it's not just the obvious stuff. A lot of it is religious stuff that has the appearance of good. That is the reproduction of serpent eggs and serpent sperm and, and hatching. This is a reproduction center of the invisible and the visible. Men reproduce spiritual offspring after their own kind. The fruit or seed of the flesh, Galatians 5, it is written. Witchcraft and sorcery are two of the fruits in Galatians 5. Which means there is an ability to reproduce some type of race in the invisible dimension. Fruit has seed. Seed lines. Understand fruit more accurately at a prophetic level. It's not just the fruit of kindness, gentleness, oh love, oh it's so loving. It's reproduction of seed lines from spirit beings. The fruits of the spirit is the reproduction of the seed of God. That's how you'll know them by the reproduction of what they're reproducing after their own kind. And what kind is it? Well, it's hopefully Jesus. Amen? Reproducing Jesus, his nature. First John says that's how you'll know they're sent from God, that they're brothers and sisters, that they'll walk and live the same way Jesus did. Amen. Anyone that doesn't, John says, is of their father the devil because they're not living the life of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, the word of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, because a different seed line is being reproduced. All that bad fruit, you see it everywhere amongst Christians. So how is God dealing with it? He's turning the sword into a plowshare. You're going to plow it. You know, it might seem like it's a sword, but this is plowing hearts. If it were a sword, it would be a AK-47 mowing your heads off, exploding you with sawed-off shotguns because it's referring to the natural and the spiritual. Okay, the sword that we deal with is the plowshare. This is the sword of the spirit. It's not the sword and the plowshare of understanding and prophetics. It's, it's the natural and the spiritual. The spiritual sword is the plowshare. The natural sword is today likened to guns, okay? So you're not using guns to convert people. 
You're going to beat their swords into plowshares. You're going to convert people through the heart, through faith in the Word of God. That's been going on for 2,000 years. That's Christianity. It's reproducing after God's own kind by the garden works of the human spirit. All the other stuff the Bible says is passing away. Everything is passing away except this. The plowshare or the sword of the spirit working in the spirit. This is how you disciple civilization. This is how you disciple cities and nations. This is how you change and heal the world. By garden works, spirit works, by fruit bearing and fruit that lasts, which means you keep bearing more fruit in the spirit. The stuff that opposes you is always fertilizer. And God's dealing with madness on a level. Listen, man. There's so much madness out there. You know what madness is? Pride. Ecclesiastes, three categories of all behavior. Wisdom, madness, and what's the other one? Folly. Folly. Wait, what is madness? Pride. What is folly? Lust. What is wisdom? Love. Agape love is wisdom. And wisdom is only demonstrated in the sacrifice of the beast, which is the heart and brain of the temple. Otherwise, there's no wisdom and no love, because you only get wisdom, Proverbs 9.1, when you begin to kill the demonic reptilian part of you as a burnt offering to the fire of the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, there's no divine expression from you whatsoever. It's only carnality, it's false religion, it's satanic. So now we have the expression through the crucifixion of the carnal man for the spirit man. Amen. And if you stay in your spirit, you'll actually be accurate in your image bearing and deal with that stuff that fights the spirit in you. A lot of you have so much demonic influence that you've never been consistent one day in your life. And it's demonic all the time because you're completely soulish and you're completely carnal. It's a lot of you immature ones in Christ. God is telling you and commanding you from the scriptures to kill that stuff and stop sinning with your soul, which is iniquity. Stop committing iniquity. Stop sinning against the Spirit. Stop sinning against those growing in the Spirit and grow with them by denying the soul and all the demons in you. Resist the demons in you and they'll flee from you. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Where is God? Christ in your spirit. The hope of realizing the glory so you can wage the civil war against the demonic soul. The Bible says the soul is the place of every unclean spirit, every foul detestable bird and creeping crawling thing and beast of the field. It is written. So a Christian in the soul is endless demonic manifestations, which we mostly deal with every day. It's the nursery. Continuous demonic manifestations with sometimes the spirit getting through. There is a mixture. Because you're born again, your spirit does come out at times. When you have a a conference or a group gathering, the cluster anointing, it'll bring out the spirit. When you're by yourself, it's just this unrenewed part of you that's all beast because the cross is small in your soul, so it's mostly animal and demonic manifestations. And so your accurate measure of growth is only determined when you're alone with God and alone with your sin and alone with your soul. And that's the place that you want to talk and get into fellowship with the Holy Ghost. So when you come into a corporate gathering like this, there's an increase of the anointing through the sacrifice of the soul, which is the house of all the demons. 
If I sacrifice more of my heart and brain, I come in with more of my spirit that can build up all your spirits so that the house or the soul gets burnt with the Holy Ghost fire so we live in a realm of fire on earth as it is in heaven. But you only get that by the burning of the heart and the brain as a beast. You can't have heaven on earth in cities and nations except through the priesthood burning the animal heart and brain. The ones that are doing it right now are mostly opposed because we live in a false Christian system of Babylon the Great that allows us to practice in the soul. That's the Laodicean church age that we're in right now. It's the seventh church in the book of Revelation that we're coming out of into the open door into the church of the firstborn in heaven. And the prophets in this generation are transitioning all believers from Laodicea meaning lukewarm, which is living in the soul Amen. to the spirit of the open door to be the in the fire of the seven blazing torches before his throne. From a heavenly to an earthly and being changed. And in order to do that, there has to be an annihilation of the lukewarm. What's lukewarm? Human blood, warm-blooded. That's what lukewarm is, warm-blooded. What's cold-blooded? Demon. What's warm-blooded? The mixture with the demon because the spirit is fire. I make my ministers fire because God is fire and all-consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4.24. So can warm and cold, hot and cold, or salt and fresh come out of the same fountain? No, they're coming from different kingdoms. They can't come out of the same because one is heaven and one is hell. And now we're dealing with hell and all of our warm, which is lukewarm which is human blood. You have to come out of the soulish. You have to come out of the heart, into the spirit. One of the greatest deceptions in our day is that heart is spirit. You see it almost every Pentecostal meeting. Lay hands on your soul, your heart. Like that's going to do anything. The heart's wicked beyond knowing, the Bible says. I mean, seriously, your only hope is spirit. Go a little bit lower. There it is, right in your belly. Now you found it. Now if you do something there, you can burn up your heart and come out of the animal. Amen. And if you don't feel it, keep going after it. Your feelings will eventually line up with the truth anyhow. Your feelings will come into divine order. You can't be feeling led because the heart is your feelings. It's completely deceived. Being feeling led is being demon led 100% of the time until your feelings are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Holy Spirit is how he feels, not how you feel, animals. How the animal feels is ir irrelevant. The animal is the sacrifice. God's not interested in making you feel good. God's interested in making you feel dead with His Son, Jesus Christ, so you feel the same way Jesus feels, which is the discernment of spirits, also known as wisdom. You can't have wisdom unless you feel Jesus from your spirit. A sensitivity to the spirit. In order to have that, there has to be a denying of the animal's feelings. The hormones, the emotions, the chemicals, all of that is carnal, instinctual. All of it's false, lies, and wrong 1,000% of the time. There's no male or female in Christ. If male and female hormones or chemicals are influencing your walk, you're demonically influenced. That's what the elements that need to melt with, that's what freedom comes from, is melting your human nature off your spirit. And your spirit can transform your human nature while in the body. Amen. And glorify the chemicals in you. And glorify the hormones in you so you're not lusting. Amen. It has to happen. 
Without purity, you cannot, can't even be around God. Without purity, you can't even be in God. To the pure, all things are pure. Why? Because they allowed him to purify their feelings, their emotions, their DNA, everything, every day. Amen? And that's when you have the freedom to vocalize out of the sanctified parts of you. You can speak in riddles, parables, and dark speech. You understand? Because since you're speaking out of the sanctified parts of you that are burnt up as animal, there's no religion in those parts. That's the glorious freedom of the sons of God, 1 Peter chapter 1. And so if you speak out of the glory, you speak out of the freedom, you speak out of the sanctified parts of you, that's when you're learning how to talk. If I recognize and catch myself speaking out of parts that aren't purified in fire seven times into pure gold, that's when the apostles like, that's just my opinion in the Bible. That ain't God. That's just me. It is written. He says that many times in the scriptures. That's just my opinion dealing with your culture and stuff. It's not God. Amen. It's written in the Word. So there will be parts of you that aren't perfect, that are just you. And you, just, you have to di differentiate between the divine and the human. And if you can't, you'll be totally deceived. The worst, most deceived thing is applying the divine to the human. That's what bewitchment is. Is applying the divinity of God through a bunch of crazy external teaching to your soul and then worshiping an external Jesus which is Jezebel Satan come on now that's what this generation's guilty of the most extreme blasphemy of all time glory but God's gonna raise the standard and deal with it because it's just the ability to be deceived because it's a high level spiritual evil ranks in the demonic go by abilities to deceive of even the elite and elect could be deceived, it is written. That's when you start dealing with the fallen principalities known as archangels. These are fallen archangels that could deceive anyone who hasn't risen as an archangel in their own spirit. Your spiritual stature is the ability to stay in the truth and dealing with external forces of angels. That's why you want to be under angelic wings, Psalms 91 someone's wings of someone's angel that's mature that can stand up against the fallen angels because if you haven't had angelic maturity any other angelic maturity that comes around you in higher stature and rank automatically influences your brain that's how you see all the infants in christ just come and go and just totally schizophrenic every day and just being tossed to and fro by every wind he makes his angels winds well if the fallen angels are winds as well <laughs> and they just blow people away from God's will and God's water every day. You see it by the thousands. It's very rare if anyone's even anchored. It's rare to be anchored. But we have the word of God to anchor us against the enemy's winds. Every wind of doctrines, teachings of devils, it is written. Well, when you're underwater, you're under a different flow. But don't think just because there's a liquid flowing through you doesn't mean there's a pollution of water, especially in the earth realm. You're dealing with angels that are aquatic spirits a lot of times and not everything you drink is the glory of God and not everything you drink is just warm and happy and clappy in Revelation they're drinking and eating stuff that's sour in their belly I think it might be wormwood no it's something you can't understand and have never experienced don't blaspheme Apostle John amen it's written in the word sweet in my mouth sour in my belly Oh, I think that might be Wormwood. The exact opposite. It's just a new experience in God you can't even comprehend. And that's what growing in faith is, even at a John level on Patmos, guys. 
and he's in his 90s, been in apostolic glory and a witness of the resurrection for 70 years. And he's still wondering if it's wormwood when a bitter scroll comes. And the angels are having to tell him stuff. Don't bow down and worship me. Oh my God, I've been in the glory 70 years and I'm still tempted to worship angels. In the book of Revelation, it is written. Wow. We've been in the glory like, well, like one year. Some of you like, this is your first day. Five years, 10 years. Apostle John, 70. And still had to be directed to not sin in the spirit after 70 years in the glory. Woo! Pride eats us up, doesn't it? Pride really tries to destroy our souls. That's why we need the cross. The cross is the ability to stay in the spirit while we're young in the Lord. Later on, the cross turns into your throne. Jesus's cross is the throne of the Lamb. Your destiny, your God's will for your life, your office, is your cross. Truth anyhow. If it gets bigger and killing the animal, guess what? So does the throne of God's glory and honor. All you need is what he already gave you, a cross. Success apart from the cross is total rebellion. Success in the cross is eternal rewards. Good and faithful servant, enter into your rewards. Well done, good and faithful servant. It is written. Why? You carried your cross. You magnified your calling. You took the investment and the deposit of heaven and bore fruit and fruit that lasts. The only fruit that lasts, the only wood that doesn't decay, Song of Solomon, is the cross. The cross becomes your throne. The cross is your office. The cross is your seat. The cross is your destiny. It's all pieces of his cross. And together it makes up the full cross, which is the full throne of the Lamb, the glory of the Lamb. The bride of the Lamb is each one who's carried their cross into destiny. If you don't, you never feel your destiny, you never know the throne, you never know the glory. But you can all know the glory by continuously carrying your cross and applying it to your beast as priests. Whether you're called into business or called into full-time ministry, no matter. You're called to the cross. That's what matters. You're called to your office and your eternal throne, which is fulfilling the destiny that God had for you as a spirit being before the world was created. Amen? This destiny supersedes the curse of the fall. This destiny was God's original intentions for man and woman. And how do you come about by fulfilling them? By carrying your cross. No other way. You can't be my disciple. You can't come into God's will unless you pick up your cross and follow me. And so you begin to love the cross, don't you? You love Jesus. You're there at the cross. You drink from the cross. That's where the blood comes from. That's where the water comes from. That's what forms your position in the body of Christ. Your own cross. And you all have them. It's right there. Thank you, Father, for making the cross real. The cross is not a painful burden in the brain. You, can, you know, the demon would like to even corrupt the simplicity of the cross and confuse it. I don't know what my cross is. Your spirit does. Screw your animal. Your brain don't need to figure it out. That's Satan in you. You don't need to know what it is. You need to flow in what it is. You need the Holy Ghost to teach you. He's teaching you tonight. 
He's going to illuminate the cross in you. He's going to put you on autopilot. When your cross gets bigger and bigger, the confusion of the animal gets less and less. But when you run all kinds of spiritual stuff like this, getting baptized in the prophetic every day, animals get confused. Why? Because there's no salvation for the animal, only death. It is written. You want to save your animal? No, God's going to kill it on an altar. He's going to father your spirit. You won't be confused in your spirit. You can transfer your intelligence to your spirit the first day you're born again. Never be confused once by Satan's sorceries the whole rest of your life. You chose to leave the spirit to get into the world. That's why you're confused by your own sins. It's your own sin that confuses you. It's clearly written in the word. Now go to the cross and kill that stuff you've developed by growing bad seed in the soul. And you come back into the crystal clarity of the living waters where there's zero confusion, zero worldliness, and just Jesus and his goodness all the time teaching your spirit. The Father teaching your spirit. The angels teaching your spirit. The encounters in the spirit. In the spirit on the Lord's day. Amen? Amen. We are in the spirit, taught of the spirit. The spirit is Lord, which means master. Until the spirit of Jesus is your master, something else is. Whatever you believe is your master. Whatever you submit to is your master. Usually money out of fear or greed. Master. That's why sacrifices are important. Remembering the poor is important. Keeping the spirit as your master. That's why we bring offerings to the spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that struck down Ananias and Sapphira because they were not offering to the spirit. They were offering out of selfishness. See, it's the sacrifice to the Spirit of God. We live for the Spirit of God. We work unto the Lord and not for men, it is written. Our work is even sacred as businessmen. There's Jacob and Boaz here today, angels of the temple. And it's holy to the Lord. Do you understand that in understanding in biblical prophecy that business is as important and holy as priesthood? In America, we think, oh, everyone wants to be full-time ministers. Hogwash. Total deception. Business is sacred to the ancient Jews in the Old Testament. Sacred. It's holy. It's very important. The, the scales, the measuring scales of Proverbs, holy to the Lord, holy scales, holy business. Jesus Christ brought business. I'm about my father's business, he said. Never said he was about his father's priesthood once, but he said he's about his father's business. It's important you understand the holiness, the sacredness of working for the Lord. This is what angels do. Workers at the end of the age, you know what the Bible says? Workers are angels. Angelic work is your spirit awakening to working for the Holy Ghost who's upon you and in you and all around you called the kingdom of heaven. And you begin to do it for him. And that's how you grow in sacred business. And if you have all these ideas in you of what it needs to look like, he'll deal with you and burn it out of you until you're just in a flow and enjoying each day serving the Lord and not man. And you can practice the presence of his glory anywhere if you're obeying and serving and working for the Lord. Amen? Apostle Paul says in scripture, we work for the Lord. That's the angelic work. If you're carnal, you're not doing anything because you're still in an animal brain. 
When you're spiritual, you do all things for the Holy Ghost. I brush my teeth for the Holy Ghost. True story. I drink mouthwash. I don't I don't swallow it because there's alcohol in it. And we're Nazarites, amen. Draw the line somewhere. I drink this cultural culture pop for the Lord. I do. I drink for the Lord. I open it. Yeah, yesterday we we're driving and Rebecca opened up a can of whoop butt. A can of culture pop and I thought it splashed all over her but it was a supernatural mist that came out of the can it, it was looked like a whole just a mist that just just flooded when he, she opened it and it's refreshment it's pr- prophecy signs and wonders yeah there was there was nothing it was all spiritual it was all just signs and wonders and I, it was so real, it was in the physical, natural realm that I saw this, this huge mist come out of the can. You drink your cans of pop for the Lord. You need to understand this, the separate, separation between natural and spiritual is heresy. Jesus came in the flesh. So that everything done in these bodies as temples of living water, temples of the Holy Ghost, is spiritual all the time. And so it's all unto the Lord. I turn this computer on to broadcast this. It's for the Lord. I click the switch. I drive my car for the Lord. And Jehu drove furiously. Furiously. We drive wildly for the Lord. The faster you drive, the fewer time, the less amount of time you stay on the road. Uh-huh. <laughs> Drive fast, take chances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very important too, because that heresy of Gnosticism says that natural ain't important. It's total demonic influence. It's the denying of serving the Spirit in all things. This is how you really get to know Him. This is how nothing is mundane, nothing is boring, no loneliness, no deception. No, uh, there's no uh, aloneness. This is the conscious awareness of the Holy Spirit's omnipresence that becomes manifest presence. When you do all things to the Lord, you're not in the omnipresence, you're in the manifest presence. Totally different presence. It's called living in the glory. And it's a constant awareness of Him and doing all things unto the Lord and not for men. So that God can promote you, which means a greater sensation of His presence, a greater awareness of His glory. This is how we go from glory to glory, by working for Him. Do you understand that's how it works? Yeah. Now you do, because you work for the Lord. I love working for the Lord. We come in here, I love doing Joel's Bar. I love teaching and preaching the Bible and the Holy Spirit and the things of the kingdom. And since I do it as a work for the Lord, I get promoted every season. I get blessed all the time. And it's fun. You know, you will have opposition when you start serving the Lord and not men because you're not serving the curse anymore and you're destroying the works of demons, the imprisonment of demons. You'll actually glorify marketplaces. You'll glorify Christianity, which is something we're we're doing. You're going to glorify everything. Everything will be clothed in glory when it's done for and with the Lord. It's called walking with the Father in the coolness of the day. Amen. Adam was even given jobs in the Garden of Eden. Go and name and give a nature to each animal. And make the honey badger crazy. Amen. He gave the nature to the animal. 
Adam, naming something means giving it its nature, its character qualities. Adam made cats the way they are. Amen. That's true. God created them, but Adam named them, the Bible says, which means they're, they're very characteristics. Amen. But God gave man and woman his characteristics. He named us. Well, actually, he named Adam. Adam named Eve. But there's no more Eve in Christ, just the bride of Christ coming into God's name written on her forehead. Hallelujah. And so we are coming into a place of maturity in the spirit. We're coming into a place of growing up in God and learning how to dwell in his presence. Oftentimes, when we're baptized in the prophetic, we need to really put the stuff on repeat. There's a holy place to get brainwashed in the water of the word. If you're not brainwashed in the water of the word, you be brainwashed in the demon's opinion about everything and some worldly garbage that won't even help you. Brainwashing is biblical. Meditating on the word of God day and night. Oh, the same word? I want to read something new. Same word. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Curiosity killed the cat. Stay in the same word. Stay in the same spirit of prophecy. Don't go out there and commit adultery with other words and commit adultery with other spirits. That's horrible and activity because I'm not content with who God is. I need other gods as well, like Solomon. I'm going to find 300 other gods. No, Jesus is enough. <laughs> he really is. We just need to know more. As we spend time with him, and as we practice his manifest presence, softening our hearts, sometimes just getting still and practicing stillness, go in your closet and just turn off the lights and be quiet and still. After the kids go to bed, just lock yourself in the closet. <laughs> Whatever it takes. And, and just talk and fellowship with the Lord. Not to empty yourself, but to fill your soul with Jesus. And sometimes it will take a while to get those thoughts and cares of the world out of your head because you're dealing with the demonic. When you're still, you'll hear these things in your head, distractions in your head. What about this, that, the other thing? Did I remember to turn off the stove? Where's my passport? D distractions galore because it's the realm of distraction is the demonic influence in your soul. And you want to come to a place where that's all out, and the mind is just still in the peace of the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And then you just flow in that the rest of your day. Until you don't need to lock yourself in a closet, you're always out of the closet in perfect peace like Jesus was. Perfect peace in the midst of the storm. Amen? We need to be manifest peacemakers, the sons of God, because we will calm the storm, but how many of y'all know the storm is caused by the peacemakers? John Paul Jackson called it a perfect storm. And the perfect storm is the manifestation of the sons of God rippling all the waters of the nations, causing huge tsunamis, celestial bodies shaking, principalities falling, skylines coming down of Saturn and Remphon and Molech and sun and star worship and sky worship and light worship and, and all the building systems of magic arts are coming down and they will burn on earth by your spirit maturing in Christ. All you gotta do is mature in Christ, mature in the anointing and the, all the works of the devil get destroyed. Don't go out there and destroy the works of the devil. Go in here and mature in Christ. 
And that stuff happens secondary automatically. You go out there and attack that stuff, you will die. You, will, you, you don't need to do that. It's, you need to grow in Christ and the overflow will attack that stuff. That's what the wine press of the wrath of the, of the Almighty is. It's the, the wine of the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit overflowing and coming down below. The pressure of his bloodline that's, that's fully formed anew by growing in Christ. We like to grow in Christ, and it's like, now it's time to be Martha. Go out there and be Martha. Yeah, we quote James. Martha interpretation of James. Love, faith without works is dead, man. Your faith is dead. You need Mary times 10 trillion. We need Mary company to really even grow up much more than this. <laughs> A greater portion, it won't be taken from her. We need to grow up in the wine. And the outpouring of the wine does more works through one vessel than a hundred thousand Marthas out there talking about their works. Their, their works for Jesus. I'm out here baking cookies for Jesus. Mary never done anything. Mary's spirit is sustaining the, sustaining the world as a government of the tabernacle of David. Martha, you blind witch. Total blindness, total witchcraft. It is. Soulish works are witchcraft. And we tried to keep them to a minimum, although it cannot be avoided because it's part of the process of growing. It's called zeal without knowledge. Every believer goes through it. Most believers stick in it 10, 20, 30 years. We try to get you through that as fast as possible. Amen? And, and not to resort into the other animal sin of just laziness and slothfulness, but to stay energized as an angel doing works unto the Lord and not for men. To grow in excellence in all things. Wisdom, constantly killing beasts. Jesus is the least lazy person, but he has entered the rest. And he's enthroned in God, but his spirit's working. The rest is the work of the spirit. Holy Spirit, yes, and your spirit. That's what rest is. Your spirit will work and serve the Lord forever in a job. And discipleship is to begin doing that now, right here. Amen? Thank you, Father, for a people that learn how to work in the glory under the Lord for the glory and put the meaning in all this work. There's nothing you go through, even if you think of Smith Wigglesworth plumbing for 40 years. But he did it under the Lord. So he did it in the glory. He wasn't complaining about it. How many toilets for how many more decades do I have to clean? You're not going to hear that out of someone in an apostolic calling. That's when you forfeit your calling. It's like, I, I, I'm going to enjoy doing this for the Spirit. This person's going to have the best plumbing. They're going to have the nicest realm here when they wash their hands, when they go to the bathroom, when they shower. I'm going to be a blessing to every home, working in for the Lord. So the Lord comes into the home. The Lord comes into the marketplace. And you begin to spread the Lord around because you're serving the Lord without murmuring and complaining, without wanting just the finish line, but enjoying the process. Do not despise the days of small beginnings, it is written, which means you can't actually grow unless you're enjoying each stage of growth. It's like a young tree. If it tries to go from one to 30 to be a large tree, it just doesn't happen. It dies. It's just delusion. We try to be something we're not in the spirit. Your greatest satisfaction is being directly who you are in the spirit right now 
and then repenting your spirit's intelligence to serve the great spirit, Holy Spirit, today in the exact size and stature and intelligence of your angel. And then each stage of growth from 0 to 33 is perfect glory. And all of the inadequacies of the old man don't even have influence on the new man. No old man influence. Old man influence gets less and less. New man influence gets more and more. That's why people who grow up in Zion, they'll enjoy being one and two, and you won't have all this mess like you have now. Because there'll be no sorcery and witchcraft, because we'll burn that out of the outer man. Get rid of the demonic influence for people to enjoy their childhood in the Lord. And the childhood of the Lord doesn't have to be going out there sexually fornicating with boys like you see all these Pentecostal prostitutes doing. Pentecostal whores everywhere. And it's not dabbling in alcohol and have a rebellious phase. It's just enjoying the presence of the Lord, working for the Lord as he's growing up on the inside of you. Without the rebellion, without the sorcery, without the sin, without the pornography and the fornicating and the alcohol and the rebellion and just getting all the lust out to enjoy growing up in the Holy One on the inside. That's how everyone is to be raised in Christ and that's what the tabernacle of David will provide when we come into a greater maturity. People can enjoy growing up all the days of Christ, the way of the Lord, the testimony of Jesus, all 33 years you will experience in your spirit's growth. And it doesn't have to be the constant distractions of the old man's encasing around the new man. The prophetic word crucifies that old man, outer man influence. So you're in the six, six month Jesus, baby Jesus glory. Just right there in the manger in perfect perfection. See? Six months old in the glory. Totally sin free. Animals all around. Don't matter. Six month old Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And that's how Christians are to be raised in their spirit, in Christ, in the glory. Realizing the glory, staying realizing the glory, anchored into the glory with zero old man influence, zero old man influence of deception and demons, rebellion and sin and religion, all that junk burnt off of perfect Christ in you. Amen. Just thank you for a people growing up in Christ and enjoying it on the inside and the attacks and influences on the outside getting less and less by the living waters, by the government of God that provides the peace. The government of God is to provide the place for Christian spirits to grow up without continuous demonic attack. Like we've had in Babylon, which has been a complete frickin' nightmare of confusion and continuous attacks of lust and pride upon everyone in the whole world. And it's been a nightmare. We've just watched so many get destroyed. So we are pioneering, this is the promised land, pioneering a place of perfect growth for the human spirit. Amen. Without snakes biting at them constantly. Without foul birds landing on their heads and taking them captive into realms of delusion and madness. Amen. 
So we just thank you for a place of protection, a Goshen in this place under our covering for all levels of the human spirit to grow in Christ with less and less demonic influence. In fact, I command and decree that it go to zero. Zero. A perfect tabernacle. A perfect apostolic covering. A perfect Jesus Christ high priesthood be formed in us to help believers everywhere grow in Christ and make progress of heaven come into earth. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Father. We thank you for heaven on earth. We thank you for teaching us how to build it, how to manifest it, how to walk in it, how to multiply the kingdom with our words and our spirit and everything else, just getting purified, made clear. Let the elements be made clear so our spirit can have clarity and our mind can have clarity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Let's raise that offering up for the outreach on Saturday. Special offering for Nairobi. Going to the orphans. Going to food outreach. And they're preaching the gospel. I'm sure we'll see signs and miracles. Let the gold dust and the angels that are bringing the gold to RLM in America and RLM in Europe. Let it also hit RLM in Africa. Let the gold touch Africa with gold dust and these awesome signs and wonders in this outreach. We pray for this angel to accompany Shadrach and pour out the gold and the gemstones there. That would be wild, wouldn't it? (laughs) Grant it, Father, if it's your will and bless them in a major way. Bless the givers. Give them signs and wonders. Increase their faith, promotions, comfort, and rewards. Let some rewards begin to flood these obedient ones. Bless them, Lord. Let the angels bless you. I will send down showers in season, the Bible says. There shall be showers of blessings upon your souls from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Amen! Love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Can we get something Jewish a little bit? Something a little. <laughs> I think we're going to need the drums too. Is that okay? Shando brande ke sombande andete se amande emande ro shande ke ame 
Oh, there's an oily anointing in the glory of the Lord. There's an oil that's flowing in this place. Hey, hey, oh, there's an oily anointing in the presence of the Lord. There's an oil that's flowing in this place. Let's sing that together. Oh, there's an oily anointing in the presence of the Lord. There's an oil that's flowing in this place. An oily anointing in the presence of the Lord. There's an oil that's flowing in this place. Let me put some. Come on, declare it. Say, there's an oily anointing in the presence of the Lord. There's an oil that's flowing in this place. There's an oily anointing in the presence of the Lord. There's an oil that's flowing in this place. I see it. It's the oil of healing. It's the oil of joy. It's the oil of breakthrough that's flowing in this place. It's the oil of healing. It's the oil of joy. It's the oil of breakthrough that's flowing in this place. Come on, declare it. Oh, there's an oily anointing in the presence. Joy. 
flowing in this place There's an oily anointing in the presence of the Lord There's an oil flowing